0: like to hear a few more of those, wouldn't we? Yeah, those are, it hasn't been great to hear these stories of how God's worked in different people's lives, how he continues to work? And Pastor Tom, most of you know me, glad to have you all here this morning as we continue to worship and learn more about how God's working his story out in our lives, the life of New Hope Church. This morning we're going to go over to John chapter 4. If you have a Bible or an electronic device, turn over there. Also, on the back of your bulletin, there's an outline. You can do the fill-in-the-blank thing if you'd like. And over in John chapter 4, we find a story, a story of a woman we call the woman at the well. I don't know if I can say this about somebody 2,000 years ago, but I, I just love this woman, and how she encounters Jesus, how she responds to Jesus. It's an amazing story. Now, you know, like a lot of us, some stories are told, some stories are not told, and stories are continuing to develop, we're all in formation, and so I kind of wonder a little bit, what were the details of her life before she met Jesus, and what happened afterward? We'll find out a little bit about both of these things this morning. We only know part of her story. We know that because of the things that happened to her in significant relationships, that she began to believe some different lies about herself, that she was dependent on different men for life, that she began to believe lies about God, about how God wanted to be worshipped. We know that her heart was broken. We'll look at that a little bit more. We know that the kinds of issues that she was working through are the same kinds of issues that we have to work through. We know that we have the same kinds of doubts, the same kinds of dreams that people in the Bible had, same kinds of problems with uncontrolled anger, with anxieties, that ambition that can be misguided, with Misplaced priorities, convenient excuses, compulsive busyness, brokenness. We come as broken people. Like I said, we come as people who are in formation, whom God is changing. He's working his story out in our lives. So let's go over to John chapter 4. We'll begin with verse 1. The Pharisees heard That Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well It was about the sixth hour. Now, on the map you'll notice that Jesus and the disciples were traveling from the south to the north. We also know that very often what the Jewish people would do, because of their extreme prejudice against the Samaritans, is that they would go out far east around Samaria if they were traveling north. Kind of like if I told you I'm going to the final four, and the straight route would be right up I-35. But I'd say, but I'm not going through Ames, so go around and then join with I-35 north of there. And that's kind of the thing that was going on here with the Jewish people. They didn't go through Samaria. They were... Prejudiced, in this case, against the Samaritans for a variety of reasons, and Jesus breaks through their narrow-minded prejudice. Old King James Version says he must go. Why must he go? Why did he have to go? Because he had an appointment with this woman at the well. First application here is that God calls us to go beyond our comfort zones. Sometimes it's a place that we have to go. Sometimes it's a relationship that we have to enter into. Sometimes it's a conversation that we need to have. And if we're listening, if we're asking God to show us and help us to understand the hard things that maybe we need to say or the steps we need to take to visit with someone. God does that, and he shows us those kinds of things. So, first application today, is there somebody that God's bringing to mind? Is there a place where you need to go or a person you need to talk with? Now, for Jesus, it says that he arrived in Sychar along with the disciples. Jacob's well was there. It was a historic place. There were two mountains that were there, Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And in the history of the Old Testament, we know that the Jewish people were told to put one group of people on one of the mountains, another group of people on the other mountain, and they were to have this celebration where they would give the blessings of what it meant to follow God and the curses of what would happen if they didn't follow God, and they were to shout these back and forth to one another. It was a very historic place. And it was here that this well was located. It's about a half mile outside this city of Sychar. It was about the sixth hour, it says, which would be noon, our time. 6 a.m. would be the zero hour, and then from there, six hours later. Jesus had been walking in the hot sun, and so he sent uh, the disciples off to go find something to eat. And he himself... Entered into a conversation. Verse 7 says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And then there's a comment here by John, For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And so this unsuspecting appointment with Jesus happens. Now, normally, the women would have gone out together at dawn or at dusk. And there they talk together, talk about their life, their families, their children, things going on in the community. But there's something unusual going on here. We don't know all the details, but it was quite unusual for her to go out in the middle of the day, a half mile or so walk, and go and collect the water herself. Either by choice, or because she was an outcast in some way, she went out by herself. She comes bearing this empty jar, which is a symbol of her parched soul. And Jesus knows her, he knows who she is obviously she knows he's a, he, he knows that she is a samaritan now the samaritan's from history we know that they accepted the first 5 books of the bible but they did not accept the rest of the Old Testament like the other Jewish people. So like they didn't accept Jeremiah as God's word or Isaiah as God's word or Psalms as God's word. And so this was a difference that they had with the Jewish people. There were some other elements that entered into these feelings of why they felt like they were racially different and why Jewish people would treat them differently and all those um, ugly kinds of Feelings that entered into this relationship between these two groups of people. But Jesus breaks through that. He doesn't let those kinds of things stop him. He builds a bridge. He breaks through authentically into her life and engages her in conversation. He builds trust. He had a real conversation. He broke through whatever hurt, was in her life and interacted with her. He's a rabbi. He's a Jewish rabbi. Jewish rabbis did not normally talk with a woman, much less a Samaritan woman, which is why she says, I'm a Samaritan woman, and you're talking with me. But take a look here, how he opens himself up to her, and he does it in a very interesting way. He asks her for a drink of water. He puts himself in a position of need. He says, I'm here. I'm thirsty. Could you help me out? He enters in, in reality, in authenticity with her. He builds that bridge of trust. Let's go on to verse 10 and 11. Jesus answered her. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? So Jesus enters into this relationship with her, and then he goes another step, and he asks her for a drink. And when he asks her for a drink, as they're visiting, she would have expected that he never would have talked to her, but he does. He builds that trust. And you know, there are a lot of people in our society, in our culture, who automatically think that Christians are judgmental, automatically think that Christians are aggressive in some ways, and we have, we have to build those bridges of trust. And so Jesus does that, and then he talks with her about this gift, the gift of God that's available Now, this well was very deep. I read a couple different resources. One said 75 feet deep to 150 feet deep. Either way, they had to have a long rope that would go down and lift the water out. And Jesus starts talking about this living water. She's not getting it, right? She's saying, what are you talking about, this living water? Now, back then, living water would describe flowing water. A cistern that just held water was not living water. But he starts talking about this living water. And, of course, he's not just talking about the physical water itself. He's talking about spiritual truth. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. She's not quite getting it. And so she asked Jesus, Are you greater than our father Jacob? Because she can't figure it out. She's still thinking very physically very much in the material world are you better are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as it also his sons and flocks and herds Jesus answered everyone who drinks this water referring to the water down in the well everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So she thinks this is a pretty good deal. I can just get water whenever I need it. All the time. Still thinking in material kinds of terms. Which is the natural way that most all of us as humans go. Trying to figure out circumstances, trying to figure out the physical world. And Jesus is way beyond that. He's talking about something much richer, much deeper, much more real. He says there's a source of reality that will never run out. The Spirit of God, he's talking about the fact that When we come to him and say, Lord, I'm hurting, Lord, I need help, I need your power, I need your help, that he's there, he's available. To use a physical analogy, it's kind of like you turn on the spigot and the water runs. And Jesus is saying in the spiritual way, we turn on the spigot, the spirit of God's available to call on each and every day. Jesus goes right to the root issue in her life. Verse 16, he says, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands. The man you now have is not your husband. What you said is quite true. She'd try to satisfy her thirst in life. She would tried to be secure by having relationships with men. And Jesus is saying that these kinds of relationships, they're not going to satisfy you. Men are unreliable. They're going to lie to you. They're going to take advantage of you. And he's saying to her, you have been taken advantage of. Now, something that sometimes we don't talk about is there were five men that sinned greatly against her and a woman in that society didn't have any rights. These men were the ones who had divorced her. In that society, a woman could not initiate divorce. And so even though we're talking about the encounter that Jesus had with this woman at the well, there were a whole lot of people that were involved in sinning against one another. Every time this happened in her life, a scar built up, a hardness occurred, and this is why Jesus is entering in and talking to her about the healing and the help the Spirit of God can have in our life. Many of us have encountered that in our lives, we know that in the hard places, the places that we have been sinned against and where we've sinned, that God can break through. That God in his goodness, his love, his mercy can minister to us. That's what Jesus is talking about when he's talking about this living water that can flow through us and minister through us. Now, he doesn't tell her this. He doesn't talk about these men in her life to condemn her. to help her to understand the love of God, and also to show himself to her. This story ultimately is about Jesus and about the glory of God. And so in telling her these things, he's telling her, yes, I know, and I still love you. You're accepted, no matter what. And he's revealing himself to her, and we'll see this a little bit more as we go on here. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. So the fact that he knew about these men, she says, oh, yeah, there's something going on here. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And so have you ever had a conversation about spiritual things, and what the other person starts to do is to make it about your church says... But my church says, your religion, you do this. In my religion, we do this. That's, I've had those kind of conversations before. And this is the kind of conversation she begins to enter into. Well, you guys, you sing two songs and then you preach from the Bible. We sing three songs, have five prayers, and then we preach in this way. And so people start comparing church services or start comparing denominations. And Jesus goes right to the heart of the issue here. He says, believe me. He doesn't, I want you to notice, Jesus doesn't change truth. He says, believe me, woman, the time is coming when you worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. He says, it's not about the mountains. It's not about, the external elements of the place which you're, where you're worshiping. He says, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. So, so notice, he does say, you don't exactly understand. And he does admit that to her. He says, we worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. So he's saying, God has chosen the Jewish people to be a vehicle through whom he would point to the Messiah through whom he would bring the Messiah. He doesn't give up that truth. And yet he gives her hope. He says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and worshipers, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. So, She's moving along here. At first, when she encountered him, she said, you're a Jew. And then she said, well, maybe you're greater than Jacob. And now he says, you're a prophet. But she's kind of stuck in this whole church thing rather than really encountering Jesus, at least so far. Jesus says that True worshipers worship in spirit and truth. And when he talks about worshiping in the spirit, he's talking about from the inside out, that true worshipers begin with what God's doing on the inside, not on the external issues, not on what God's doing emotionally, not what he's doing ritually. True worship is authentic worship that comes to Jesus and glorifies Jesus. I love the way A.W. Tozer put it. He says, true worship that is pleasing to God, radiates throughout a person's life. What he's talking about is that true worship is worship that begins on Sunday and continues all the way to Saturday, and then continues again on Sunday and occurs all the way to Saturday, all throughout life. He says worship is also true worship. It's what accords with the reality of God's Word and of, what, of who Jesus is. And now there's real breakthrough. Go down to verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus then declared, I who speak to you am he. Can you imagine that? I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned. They were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked. What do you want? Or why are you talking with her? And then leaving her water jar. So she's having this interaction, and now she leaves the water jar there. She'd come out to get water, but she doesn't even worry about the water at this point. Leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see. See a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? So, so now the lights are starting to go off. Starting to really understand. Could this be the Christ? They came out of town, made their way toward him. Now go down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. He stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we've heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Wow. Come and see. Is the invitation that she gave to family, to friends, to the people in that community. It's also an invitation that we can offer to friends, to family. People we know, come and see. Come and see who Jesus is. Come and see what Jesus can do. So, about ten years ago, we had a friend day here at New Hope Church. At that friend day, it was a day when we encouraged everyone to invite a friend. Special day to hear about Jesus. Now, about that time, we had a little storm that happened, and. There was a tree limb that fell on my neighbor's house. So I brought out my big chainsaw <laughs> and climbed up on the roof and cut away on those tree limbs for my neighbors, Jim and Sue Core. And fortunately, Jim had quite a few batteries that would fit on the chainsaw. And so got the timber off the top of the roof, And then I said, Jim and Sue, we're having a friend day at church. Would you like to come out to worship? And so they said, yes, they would like to do that. Now, we were together on Friday with Jim, and so Rick Earhart asked Jim, was Pastor Tom still holding the chainsaw when he invited you to go to church? And (laughs) we we couldn't remember. Uh, But out of that, there was a, a... it was a time in their lives. Here's what Jim said. It was a difficult time in their lives. And out of that, even though they'd gone to church some when they were younger, out of that time became a recommittal to the Lord. So I tell you that story to say, God, we have an opportunity we've been talking about. These invitation cards that are on the chairs are so that you don't have to take a chainsaw over. but uh, So you can just take a simple card and share it with your friends with your neighbors with your family and say hey we got some things going on if you don't have a church if you're not going to church on Easter and I mean you kind of know who those people are in your relationship network um, and your family we'd love to have you go no big deal I can meet you on Saturday night Sunday morning Uh, we can come pick you up however it works just Like I was talking, in a real way, in a natural way, just like two neighbors might go out golfing or take the dog for a walk or whatever kind of interaction you have with the people in your network. And so that's an opportunity we have on Easter. We're encouraging you to think about, pray about a couple people that you can invite. And so at this time, we're going to take a little time to pray and just pray God would show you. Here's a person that you'd be praying about, be inviting to come, and then we'll finish finish with some worship. Lord, we thank you for this story of the woman at the well and how you met her. And we come in all different situations ourselves knowing that we are people also in formation and you know us and you love us and you grace us and so help us to be people who would be open to how your spirit works through us in other people's lives. Give us boldness, not our own boldness, and it's not about church. It's about you. Help us to think about people that we can really love on and invite to come and be with us on this Easter, and we just pray for successful invitations. We pray most of all that you would work and go ahead of us and behind us and minister to us and through us for the glory of your name, we pray. Amen.
1: And if you will stand and join us for one more song. Um, we sang this song a couple of times, but it's maybe not real familiar, uh, but we would really like it to be familiar. Um, so we're going to sing the song called Resurrecting. If you've listened to Life One uh, in the last like two weeks, you've probably heard it um, a half dozen times. But um, as far as what we're celebrating Uh, during the Easter season like this song just just hits a nail on the head so um, if you don't know the song please just listen along and it kind of repeats itself so you'll hopefully kind of catch the hang of it and um, yeah let's just worship this morning Um, let's sing this wonderful song
2: The head that once was crowned with thorns Is crowned with glory now The Savior knelt to wash our feet Now at His feet we bow The one who wore our sin and shame, now robed in majesty, the radiance of perfect love now shines for all. the fear that held us now gives way to Him who is our peace.
1: His final breath
2: upon the cross is now a Spirit I will rise from the ashes of defeat The resurrected king is resurrecting me in the come alive to declare your victory The resurrected king is resurrecting me Spirit I will rise From the ashes of defeat The resurrected King Is resurrecting me In your name I come alive To declare your victory The resurrected King Is resurrecting me The resurrected King Is resurrecting me your name is victory all praise will rise to christ our The tomb where soldiers watched in vain was borrowed for three days.
1: Father God, the name of Jesus is victory, Lord. That is uh, the name that we proclaim as our victory, but, Father, also as as your own, that in Jesus um, dying and being resurrected, Lord, um, your plan came to fruition, Lord, that um, death was overcome, Satan was defeated, Father, and and in that um, there is victory. So, Father, it is, whatever it is, um, whatever it is in our past. Lord, that maybe we we still hang on to. Maybe we say we've given it up, but we haven't. Lord, maybe it's uh, whatever is in our present, Lord, whatever we're stumbling over, whatever is still causing us um, to maybe not fully rely on you, God. um, Those are nothing in light of Christ, that he is victory over all of those things. So, Lord, as we kind of ramp up and get ready to to really celebrate um, Christ's victory on the cross, I just ask that you would move our hearts, Lord, and, and renew just what that means in our lives to be saved um, by faith through Christ yeah Lord please give us courage this week to go out and, and invite um, bring people here because if that's truly what we believe uh, we have to share right we we can't, can't keep that inside so please help us to um, if there's someone that you've put on our hearts to invite them here particularly for Easter um, not because New Hope needs them not because they've got to be here at New Hope but just that New Hope could be a place where they, they hear truth and they have an opportunity to, um, to meet Jesus. And Father, we love you. Um, we pray in Jesus' name this morning. Amen.